Hi, I'm Tracy Koga, and thanks for downloading this podcast from ilikehugh.com. If you can, give us a follow or subscribe. And remember that all the information about the guests in today's episode can be found at ilikehugh.com. Now, let's get started. writing, recording in their bedrooms and basements, releasing tidbits on their social media. Who are they? Well, they are the new music artists coming out of this pandemic. And some of them have been born through all of this. Others are veterans who have pivoted to make sure that they are still relevant to all of their fans. It is just more than one song. So tonight, we're going to get up close and personal with the artists, the business, and where the music industry is going to go in the future. Welcome to a evening special edition of Hugh at Home. I'm Tracy Koga, and this is Diversity in Music. Well, welcome everybody. I just want to say this is very special for me because when in my former career at a local TV station, I did a lot of arts and entertainment and music was definitely fond in my heart. And through all of this pandemic, I can't tell you how I've missed live music. So tonight I want to bring everybody together and it's so cool because working and partnering with Bad Parade, a publicity company. Now we can really get into the whole business of it. And normally, yes, we start right away with the artist, but you know what? We're gonna wait because we're gonna talk business. And so right off the hop, I wanna welcome Danny Olivia. You are an entertainment lawyer and a music agent. So my first question to you is, how did you become an entertainment lawyer and not a lawyer defending people? Uh, Well, I've been interested in uh, entertainment law for a very long time, the music industry specifically. Prior to going to law school, I was working in the entertainment industry, specifically in music, um, from a very young age, and decided that there were were a few few folks in the entertainment industry that I really admired, Um, you know, Chris Taylor is a Canadian entertainment lawyer, uh, as well as Suzanne Ambramovich. I admired both of them very much, and I thought uh, that's what I want to do. Chris specifically, because he had a music label as well as an entertainment law firm, and I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. So now let's talk business. How important is it to, uh, I mean, for artists like we're going to see tonight, to also know the business side and possibly have a lawyer? And, and how does the entertainment law all work? 
It's really important. I think as soon as an artist can connect with, meet an entertainment lawyer, if you can do it right off the off the jump, mm-hmm. it's a great idea. Um, there's a lot of entertainment wor- lawyers that work in music that oftentimes will be- befriend artists, provide pro bono advice, uh, especially at the initial stages. So um, yeah, I definitely recommend as soon as you can meet an entertainment lawyer, be it it's a mixer, or you reach out to somebody that you know that does work with creatives, it's, it's a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you have a close relationship uh, with Carrie, who we're going to certainly meet right away, her company, Bad Parade. Uh, what is it about Bad Parade that really fit with you and you wanted to do work with? I love Carrie. (laughs) Carrie has like a hustle that I feel like we kind of vibrate at the same level, if you know what I'm saying. Um, We're both really interested in helping artists succeed. And we both have an excellent work ethic. And, you know, we're able to bounce ideas off each other in that way. So definitely have a lot of respect for Bad Parade and Carrie and what she does. So, Danny, I mean, uh, let's now get into the business of things. Uh, Definitely, we've seen diversity. Diversity in artists is what I'm really looking at. Uh, Is there, going forward, is there equality and equity as well in the industry? Um, I would say no. (laughs) Uh, Historically, you know, I've I've been doing this for over 17 years and I've Mm -hmm. worked globally in the music industry. And historically, uh, it has it was a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being a, a transgender person, I was a woman and presented as a woman, and it was difficult for me as a woman in the entertainment industry. Uh, and I I would say it's as an LGBTQ person, it's it was hard then, uh, and still is now in the entertainment industry. Though I have to say that there's been a lot of change. Um, I'm noticing that labels and publishers specifically have more diversity in hiring initiatives. I'd say that that's the same for some of the industries such as PR, legal, and so on. And so it is getting better, um, though I think it's far from equal, you know. What can we do about it? And And I was going to ask also marketability, because definitely that is something that is important. And then how important does race and gender and all of that play into it? And, and how, how can we change this? Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm, I'm uh, the, the right person specifically to talk about race, but I'd have to say that, um, you know, for artist marketability, we have specific months that companies tend to skew towards. So for example, there might be Black History Month, or right now it's Indigenous Heritage Month in Canada. Prior to that, there was Mental Health Awareness Month, there's Pride Month. Um, And so I do think that this helps artists gain visibility, but at the same time, you know, it would be nice to get an LGBTQ artist covered outside of Pride Month, for example. So, uh, you know, it's a a double-edged sort of thing. Um, I forgot the other half of your question. I apologize. <laughs> no, 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 that's okay, too. Um, again, it was just more or less what we as consumers, as people that love to listen to music, how do we have a say, too, to help, you know, move forward and give all of these artists 
a chance. Yeah, I mean, you can ask artists how to support, but, you know, doing a simple thing like following somebody on Spotify or liking and commenting on their on their pages on Instagram, going to their shows, paying for merchandise, uh, I'd say especially paying for merchandise and paying, um, you know, certain fees that go specifically to the artists, which merch, merch if they're playing a live show does. Um, yeah, so there are different ways that that fans can engage with artists specifically to help um, to help boost their, their persona, their brand, and also help support them in their art. Mm -hmm. So definitely, Danny, uh, you come with a, a great amount of experience. And of course, my question, if I was a budding artist, what would catch your eye? What does an artist need today to be successful? Uh, the first thing that I look for always is somebody who truly knows who they are, truly understands their sound and knows who they are as a person and has that confidence. Uh, second thing is you have to be a good person. <laughs> I really truly only work with people that I like that are professional and truly care about other people. Um, and the third thing that I always look for is a uniqueness. Is this music, is this you know, music vibe? Is it something that I've heard before? Or is there something specifically unique about this person that I like? And it can range from somebody's sound to simply their personality. Oh, that's wonderful. And all this, Danny, I mean, being in this business, and you know what, I, we need to grow and go beyond. But for you, what personal satisfaction have you gained? You know, whether working with artists or providing lawyer <laughs> advice <laughs> uh, i would say really helping a developing act succeed and then seeing them succeed is my favorite part of this business period and like anytime i can help a creative person resolve a contentious dispute um in a way that is satisfactory to them or do my best to help something come to a close that's also very satisfying to me Okay, the future of the music industry out of this pandemic. <laughs> well, we know that there's concerts already happening. Um, so are we going to go back to big, huge stadium live shows and all of these artists here tonight will go back on the road and pack the houses? Or is it going to be a combination of virtual and touring? I think what we're going to see is a combination. I think that the pandemic has led to artists uh, figuring out how to use various different platforms in a new way that I think is going to actually carry over past the pandemic, um, which I think is absolutely wonderful. In addition to that, I think we are going to go back to stadium concerts and so on. We're already seeing, um, you know, festivals like Lollapalooza ready to go. Um, and so, you know, I think that what's still being impacted is travel uh, for artists due to some of the situations uh, related to COVID and uh, sometimes visas and travel. But in terms of live performance, I think we're going to go back to everything how it was, <laughs> for better for worse. Uh, well, you know what, Danny, you're in L.A. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, um, it's been a pleasure meeting you and... Like I said, business is business, and, and you do have to leave. But uh, thank you for opening the show and shedding some light on the importance of an entertainment lawyer and everything like that, because it's something that uh, maybe a lot of artists don't really think about and appreciate your time. 
Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Bad Parade, thank you very much for having me. And uh, all these artists on uh, on this Zoom are absolutely wonderful. So I can't wait for, for everybody listening to hear them. Okay. You take care. Bye, right, Danny. Bye. All right. So I want to go then with Carrie Zalek and her company, Bad Parade. All right, so we heard a little bit from Danny about the business side of it. And now let's go to the marketing and talk about Bad Parade as a publicity company. Carrie, first of all, let's talk about your mission statement, your mandate to even start Bad Company. Or Bad yeah. Parade. Bad Parade, sorry. Bad Parade. <laughs> I know. So, you know, I very much believe that music isn't something that you see. It's something you hear, and we've all felt so many different feelings when we hear music and sure if there's a video we get to engage with it and, and see the artist and experience it that way but what's most important is you liking what you hear and I was really inspired by something that Prince said in an interview when he was living in Toronto and he said um, the thing he liked about living here was that everybody could have a parade and I thought it's so true you know it there, every weekend on Bloor Street and down Young Street, there's some type of parade, protest, something where people can speak their mind and they can do it freely. And so that was really important to me. I wanted to make sure that, you know, because I know that music doesn't have one look or one sound, mm -hmm. that if I was going to run a, my own company, it would be a company that everyone could come to. Um, and that means anyone just as long as they're not a jerk. That's the one requirement. <laughs> but it really does mean everyone. And when I look around and see the artists who are getting attention, I don't see a lot of the people that I want to represent. I see a lot of the same thing. And so it's, it's really important to me that when I'm doing business development, when I'm listening to music or when artists approach me, that I really get to know who they are and what makes them different and stand out. Because we don't see a lot of, of differences um, in music here in Canada and around the world. And we should, because music doesn't have a sound, uh, sorry, it doesn't have a, a look or a gender or a color or anything like that. So my goal with Bad Parade and, and the mission statement is that, you know, everyone is welcome because everyone should be able to have a parade. Wow. Now let's talk about the role of a publicist and the importance of it. And, you know, when you're a startup artist, it's tight and it's hard. But, um, you know, I guess you know, meeting the artists that are under your banner, Bad Parade, uh, Carrie, and your background, too, there definitely is a need for marketing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the thing about publicity. It can help someone who's brand new, who's releasing their first or second track, album, video, or someone who's a seasoned vet who's been on tour for you know decades. What publicity does is it gets artists exposure in, in the media in any market. So here with Bad Parade, I only work with the Canadian media, the Canadian market, and I take artists, whether they're brand new or you know seasoned professionals, and I work with them to create a narrative. We talk about them and their music and their story and their history. And we come up with something that I think the media would sort of latch on to, something that's interesting, that has a pull, um, to get 
their music out there as far and wide as it can go. Um, it's not, an, you know, a lot of people want to be an overnight success and we really know that there's no such thing. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. The artists here tonight will tell you that, you know, it was a slow build. You have to get it going for a few weeks. And, um, you know, once we really sort of work with the media and harness the relationships that Bad Parade has, um, target the right media outlets. You're not going to send a pop song to a country station. Um, you know, once we're, we're, we're off the ground and going, that's when we start to see um, the, the payoff. And, and what I always say is no matter what genre you are, no matter what type of music you make, um, a lot of people have trouble defining their genre they're like um alt pop or pop rock or whatever you can call yourself whatever you want there is room there is a a place for you and your art um and you know so i always want to encourage people that even if they don't think they can promote their music themselves and they want to use a publicist or they want to go about it on their own there is a home for your music you just have to find it so that exposure for an artist is so important um, especially at the beginning, but once they're already, you know, going forward, mm -hmm. they've been in the industry for a while, they still need coverage. People still need to know that their <laughs> album's coming out. So everyone could use a little attention. And for yourself, Carrie, being in this business, a love of music, love for the artists, diversity. And this is what this whole evening is about. And it's diversity in all its wonderful colors, too, as well. The importance of that for you. Yeah, I mean, I'll say when I started Bad Parade, I had two clients. I was working with them privately, sort of behind the scenes. I didn't have a company name. I didn't have a website, nothing. It was just me and them. And when I did launch, I realized, okay, I'm going to have to go find clients. And how am I going to do that? And so I started out by looking through some of the music publications that I enjoy reading and when I went through the people that they've covered, I saw a lot of the same thing. And I just thought, it's kind of boring at this point to hear the same pop song or the same R&B song or the same country song. I like to listen to a wide variety of music. I know a lot of people will say that they love listening to sort of one type of genre. But in reality, is if you are an R&B fan, you can still hear a country song and say, that's good. It's not necessarily my thing, but that's good. And so I wanted to, to look at artists when I would look at them and see differences. I wanted to hear differences and I wanted to see a, a, a sort of artist group that looks like Toronto, that looks like Canada, that looks like the place that we live. And a lot of these publications that I was going through, sure, you'd see a little bit of diversity, but not what I see when I walk outside. Um, in the streets of downtown Toronto. And so I just thought it's a Canadian music publicity company and it needs to look and sound like Canada. And so it's a goal of mine that when I'm doing artist development that I'm looking for people who might not be represented. That being said, certainly the music has to be good. I'll only <laughs> represent good music. But, you know, I want people who have different backgrounds who identify in different ways or, or are from different races or religions because we need to see those people. Um, I'll mention that in Canada, you know, just this year in, I think it was February, CBC launched a few new shows. 
One of them was specifically for black artists. One of them was specifically for what's considered to be international music, although that's debatable. Um, but you know, for, for sounds that we don't hear. Um, you've spoken to one of my clients who, who sings in a different language and the barrier for that in Canada where you know a lot of Canadian media will say, it's not English, I don't understand it. But music goes so far beyond language. So, you know, I, I certainly see a lot of barriers and we do see change, right? CBC mm -hmm. launching these shows is fabulous, but it happened this year. So there's, there's a long way to go. Um, but, you know, the reality is, is that artists can be great no matter who they are or where they're from or their background, their gender, their race, anything at all. Um, and it's really important that we, you know, as, a, as an industry, find them and highlight these artists and, and let people know about them because great music exists everywhere. Thank you. No, and I, Maya, I just want to say is I don't think that we need special shows. I would love to see one show and everybody say, say, uh, share the same stage. Absolutely. But <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to get there. I really I do believe it. But, yeah. you know, finally, there's a, a home for for different types of music mm -hmm. where it really wasn't spotlighted before. If you're singing in another language, it's very, very hard to get on the radio. So, um, you know, I think we're seeing a change and we'll we'll take progress. We'll take yeah. small steps and um, hopefully soon everyone can be together and, oh. you know, celebrate diversity in music that way. All right, so this is what this whole evening is. Carrie, you know, at, through the magic of Zoom, you can see all of your artists that are all different parts of Canada. And, yeah. Hey, JP, Seraphine, Leanna, uh, AV just left, and AV, you are all sharing the same stage, and you're going to all share your same story. You know that it's diversity, uh, diversity uh, so it's not necessarily... Uh, so what was your inspiration for this song? This is about you, all right? As the drum roll goes, okay, JP, <laughs> just because you're next beside Carrie on my screen, <laughs> you're up. All right. Oh, well, so you know what, JP, we have met before, uh, you know, and we touched lightly on your Filipino background, but you know, Maybe let's delve into how you even got into music. And yes, we're going to use the Fil Filipino background. You know, love Filipinos, but they want their kids to be, either be doctors and lawyers or... <laughs> Ain't uh, it the truth. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, share your story and how you kind of got it through your parents that I'm going to do music. Well, so here's the, here's the thing. And... <laughs> This will probably answer that question very quickly. Yeah. That wasn't even a, a point of discussion. Like, <laughs> I wasn't pursuing music. It was more of what, what will I do with my life that I can provide for myself and potentially a future family. Um, and not to say that, you know, that, that was kind of in, like insisted upon me in any bad terms, but like it was out of love. You know, they, they, they want to make sure that I have stability when I, I grow up. Um, and they certainly didn't deter me from music. Um, I was creating music and playing music from a very young age. And um, I know, um, like, 
people in the Filipino community really enjoy music. We, we celebrate music. We, we love singing. I mean, you know, karaoke is like, that's a staple in, in many Filipino households. And it's, it's great and it's, it's awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so like my mom, sing uh, a lot um, and so I, I know that uh, for, for me even when I was just learning how to talk I, I had cassette tapes where they recorded me and I was mimicking like commercials on TV and the melodies and, and so you know like music has always just been really like ingrained in me and, um, and yeah and so growing up you know taking piano lessons buying a guitar and learning some chords and kind of you know that like just kind of feeding into that like that was it was encouraged but it certainly was never this is going to be the thing that you're going to do in the future <laughs> um and uh and yeah and so while you know they they liked that i did that um definitely definitely the emphasis was always on school and um making sure that you know, I went to university and I got a degree and didn't matter what, <laughs> just so long as I completed that, I had that in my back pocket and then um, I can hopefully find a good job. Uh, and and that, was, that was the focus, that was the priority. And, uh, and I did that and I, I, I worked um, uh, like towards my degree. I got that, I got a job and all the while I still wrote and I still perform and I and I guess like where I am now is essentially the vision that they had <laughs> set out for me like I now have three kids I have a a, a great job a, a full-time job um, I'm, I'm very grateful for that um, because that has allowed me now at a later stage in my life to fuel my dream of uh, finally creating an album and, and, and working with so many great artists and talents out there and collaborating, um, my, my job is allowing me to do that. So I don't have any regrets, um, but yeah, so just dial back to your original yeah. question. Um, yeah, pursuing music as a career was never even on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are. Okay, so now like JP, you gave us a great kind of your life journey now. So a father of three kids and still being able to play music. Are you feeling the age gap? And have you ever felt a little bit of discrimination because you're Filipino? Yeah. Um, and so I think I, to, to just address the latter half mm -hmm. of that question, I'm going to go back a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I remember in high school, um, there were there were a few of us that were you know really into music. We were putting ourselves out there in talent shows and things like that. You know the things that you do when you're in high school um, to just have fun. Um, and uh, I remember being in a conversation with uh, um, an acquaintance, and they were they too being Canadian Asian um, were were sharing with me their thoughts of like. Why, why would you even bother doing this? Like, it's, yeah, like, you sound, you sound nice and it's, it looks like you're having fun, but like, why would anyone actually 
consider this as something any more serious than a hobby. Um, and I was just like, what? <laughs> like it was very, it kind of just caught me off guard. And, and she was really kind of um, trying to convince me that there was no point in, in thinking of it uh, in any you know, greater capacity than a hobby. Uh, and that, like, just look out there. Do you see any Filipinos? No. So, like, good luck if that. If you choose to do that, then it's it's just going to be a big waste. Um, and so, I didn't I didn't really let that weigh me down. It, I I I've never forgotten that conversation. And you know, and and I guess it has sort of you know hurt me at um, you know some deep levels, but. I don't dwell on that. Um, I've just continued to kind of, you know, roll along, work with um, a whole bunch of people, uh, and then even in at the start of uh, when I was playing a lot in Toronto, um, I worked a lot with the Filipino community um, because they embraced me, and uh, you know, there there were a lot of events uh, that they would put on um, for the community. And um, they would they would welcome me, and I would share original songs, um, and I, I did get a lot of my foundation through through my community, uh, and I'm grateful for that. Um, and I think that um, had it not been for that community, I'm not sure if I would have necessarily gotten that same sort of you know um, foundation and that that opportunity to build. No, oh. well, you know what? It's uh True testament, right? To family. Mm -hmm. and, believe, oh, yes. and believing in yourself. <laughs> right. And sorry, you did have another part of that question, and that was about like... Age. Do you feel old? Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. And <laughs> I actually had a, I had, a, I had a quite a lengthy conversation with Carrie Car about this, um, because, you know, it's come to a point where... Um, I'm, I'm here, I'm, I'm doing this right now, but like, why? <laughs> um, and like, I always have to dial it back to the fact that, you know, my focus right now is not to be out there and be the next like big pop star. I am here because I have a dream to fulfill that I never got to fulfill, you know, before uh, I got married and started a family. Um, I, I'm also doing something for my family, and I'm leaving something for my kids, a legacy piece, um, because I want to make sure that I have something that represents me long before I'm not here anymore, um, that you know, generations and generations after me can look back to and say, oh, that's what JP was about, you know, something that represents my artistry. And so that's my focus, um, and when, I just make sure that I keep to that focus all the other stuff about feeling old and not feeling relevant anymore, all that stuff, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm fortunate enough that a lot of you know, um, people have been gravitating towards what I'm doing um, and even in working with Carrie, like, she's, she really opened my eyes to like, the the potential interest that's out there, not just in my community, but across the country. And like that, that really was sort of my aha moment that, um, and like Carrie said earlier, 
Like, there's, there is room for me. It doesn't matter what color I am. It doesn't matter what age I am. There is room for me. And so that's, yeah, that, that was really encouraging. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, JP. We're going to hear from you later on with a song. Can't wait for that. Well, you know, she's been kind of fidgety and, you know, moving around. So I'm going to go to AV. <laughs> and, and AV, you're not sound checking, correct? No, we did that already. And um, sorry to be fidgety. Oh, no. And everything's good for the sound check? I think so, yes. I've got three singers with me that I'm very excited to be performing with. Um, and we did our sound check, yes. Ah, okay. So, Missy. You've been at this for many years, and yeah. we know that the subject tonight is diversity. Obviously, you have seen progress, as in diversity, as in, you know, equality, and I don't know about equity yet, but, uh, but I think there's still a long way to go. But I'll let you ask, answer that question. Well, yeah, from where I stand, I mean... Yeah, I think that generally speaking, like most institutional things in Western culture, it, um, the people in charge um, at, at the top who own, own the keys and to the doors are, have not been a, a very diverse amount of people. And so I think there's an inherent bias that people kind of listen for things that they know and they don't really know how to listen to things that are less familiar with. Um, and so as a, as a result, certain genres and people that make those genres get a lot opportunities and other people that are not like the people who have the power um, don't get. So I've definitely noticed that and that's been disappointing to me because my favorite music isn't uh, is more of a worldly kind than a Western European one, let's just say. So I have always, you know, for example, when I've seen folk festivals, I've always been like, aren't folks from everywhere? Like, not just <laughs> European countries, I thought. And so, you know, they would have like, we, I had a discussion earlier today about tokenism too, where there'd be like one band from somewhere else that wasn't European as kind of like this, like, almost, I would almost say selfish reflection on the festival or the group to be like, look, see, we have, we thought about it. Look at us. And I, I that was almost worse to me in a way. Like, so I for, sort of feel like there's still a long way, a lot of thinking to do on behalf of mainstream society to not other and talk about anyone in any, in a gender way or a pigment of the skin way because we have one mother and it's like you said a Tracy earlier like should just be one big party of celebration of humanity and I think if it really truly was and there would be organic and natu natural diversity as a result in what was there because that's reflective art art reflect good art actual art reflects culture and in our culture including in Canada there is diversity so if we're not seeing it, and there's not, it's there's something wrong, that is a disconnect from reality. Mm -hmm. I think. 
Yeah. So that's what I see from where I stand, but you know, I don't experience it in the same way either because I haven't, you know, had haven't lived experience in that that much either. So Wow. But you are doing a lot for your own community back in Edmonton. Well, I think my community is doing a lot for me, actually. Um, I mean, it's a two-way street. Yeah. It was reciprocal, like a good relationship, you know. And so, I have been performing with yeah. these singers that I have with me today, um, who just very uh, generously donated their time, as I donated mine weekly every Sunday. We did 26 concerts last year, wow. six months' worth, on my front porch, not too far from here. I'm here at Cola, which is a really cool uh, arts venue in, um, in the inner city, which is designed to help give voice to local artists, especially from the inner city. And, um, but my place is just a few blocks that way. And um, that's what we did during the pandemic outside, socially distanced, all the rules followed. Our sound technician who's helping today also was our sound technician on the porch. Shout out to Mike Tully behind the desk over there. <laughs> so yeah, we did that and um, my neighborhood, uh, I think what you're alluding to is yeah, my neighborhood is a very, contains a lot of people that are very, has a lot of trauma from different reasons, um, a, a lot of vast array of reasons, a lot of, but it manifests itself a lot in mental illness and in addiction, severe addiction issues and the opioid crisis has been really, really rough around here. So we've, um, that's pretty in your face, especially the last couple of weeks have been really harsh around here. And we've all had to deal with death in the face quite a lot. Um, yeah, so I've had to really think a lot more about the reasons that people kind of end up in the neighborhood um, if it's not by choice. And um, also, re you know, there's a lot of, historical reasons to within colonial reasons that people of all walks of life struggle with um, some more than others, but honestly, a, a, a sort of a colonial culture of bullying and rape and pillage is not good for even the, the winners. And so the people that end up on the streets are, are all the people that can't cope with uh, the ugliness of that, which technically I think is us all. So, yeah, it's caused me to think a lot. It's educated me and schooled me, and I'm still on that journey. Well, and that's exactly what I was going to say, A.V., that you're experience it, experiencing it firsthand. And when you can see that, you have a better understanding. So even hearing all of your stories tonight, I, my dream is that other people hearing this will better understand the need and to maybe go out and purchase your music, regardless, <laughs> you know. Um, and I guess lastly, too, it's made an impact not only on your community there in Macaulay, uh, uh, yep. but it's also extended out, outwards, right? That you've had people from outside the neighborhood come in. Yeah, for sure, yeah. And that's music making transformation, I think. I like to think so. Um, you know, uh, yeah, not everybody that's participating today and not all of the musicians that were on stage and not all of the audience were from the neighborhood 
and in the neighborhood there is diversity of every kind of way that you could imagine to discuss diversity. Um, so, you know, luckily in a healthy community you have, you know, people that are in a place of strength, at least momentarily, to help carry the people who are really suffering and going through hard times. That's any healthy community has to have that. And so Macaulay has a kind of a, probably kind of an imbalance of that going on. And there's historical and very segregated racist reasons of how that was sort of dumped into Chinatown in Edmonton um, without the consent or respect of the Asian community. So there's that whole background to it. And obviously, um, maybe not obviously, um, colonial, people call it post-colonial trauma, but I think colonial trauma, especially the indigenous peoples, um, plays a part as well. So um, I guess uh, my job, I think, as somebody who's been spared a lot of things is to try to be you know, sensitive and enabling and um, and to learn mm -hmm. um, from people and uh, listen more and maybe say less, which is, the, I guess, the opposite of a singer. But I think to be good at musician, a good musician, you have to be a good listener. I think to be a great musician, you have to be a great listener. So I'm trying to do that. And. How is your relationship with Carrie, and how has Carrie helped you along this journey? Um, so so great so far. I only <laughs> um, have been working with Carrie for a few months, but in this, we're just launching our second single today, which is a song we're gonna sing for you. Um, and so far, I've been really super impressed. It's not easy to get publicity during a pan pandemic <laughs> when the regular routes of announcing things would be going hand in hand with concerts. So, um, yeah, so far so great. And, uh, um, you know, I'm sort of a fly by the seat of her pants kind of gal. My singers are like, really? No, everybody kind of knows that about me. Carrie has learned that about me too. And, um, but she rolls with it, and uh, it's nice to work with people who are kind of like fluid with their, uh, with just kind of improv. You know, the pandemic has definitely been a lot of improv for everybody, and then uh, I think just being able to roll with that is, we're all going to have to do a lot of learning on a lot of <laughs> in a lot of ways, and uh, it's been fun. It's been really fun. Oh. Well, Good thank part. you so much, Avi, and we can hardly wait to hear your brand new song too, as well, and uh, meet your singers. So we'll come yeah. back to you shortly. Okay, Hi. I'm gonna go then to the new kid on the block, Liana. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm well. I, I'm so happy to be here with all of you guys. Well, yeah, and you've had a chance to sort of hear everybody else's story and. Just a little sidebar, uh, Carrie was very, very excited about you. She said, she's just, she's young, she is, but she is so talented, and she named off all of these big uh, singers, and I'm going, oh, wow, okay, yeah, I, I have to oh. meet this young lady. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you are, like, you're, you've, you've kind of blossomed, and you've released music in all of this chaos, and you've garnered yes. fans. 
and for yourself, I know that you're just starting. Um, maybe I'll ask you. I, we had Danny on earlier, and he said, yeah, it's important for a young artist to have an entertainment lawyer. Do you have one? No, I have not uh, explored <laughs> well, maybe, that. Well, maybe <laughs> after this show, Carrie will yeah. hook you up with someone she knows. No, but... Uh, but, okay, so let's get into this a little bit, Liana. Besides the music uh, and your passion for it, um, social media is huge, right? Uh, we all know that. And we had actually met before, and I asked you, one of the questions was, um, do you consider yourself a role model for young Asian women going into music? And what would you say to them? I, I mean... Like you said, I am still a new artist. I'm just starting out um, and taking music seriously this year. Um, but yeah, I sure hope so. Um, I always keep at the back of my mind that, you know, I hope to be kind of a role model and someone that I think my younger self could look up to because I really empathize with with the younger generation and just people growing up in this day and age, it's really hard to navigate with all the, the noise and just there's just so much distraction and it's hard to focus. Um, but yeah, in my music, I touch upon a lot of mental health topics and personal issues that I've experienced or I've witnessed people close to me encounter. and. You know, it's my goal, one of my goals, to connect with listeners through my music and um, hopefully make them feel more understood and less alone because for many times in my li life, I didn't feel like anyone understood how I was feeling and was very alone in my thoughts and music really helped me get out of that headspace. So if I'm able to use my music to help other people, then that's the ultimate success for me. Oh, and talking uh, too as well, or communicating, not only through music, but just talking to someone. Liana, like you had spoken about having some depression or moments where you just couldn't cope. Who did you go to or where did you find besides music some help? I mean, I, I have close family and friends, luckily, who I'm able to talk to, and during those low points in my life, I was able to have those conversations. Um, I also think that therapy is so much more important than, than people think, and oftentimes people think that you have to be, you know, at, at rock bottom to see a therapist, but I feel like it should be as common as seeing your medical doctor because our mental health is just way way more important than than most other things and without it we can't function so yeah I think that should be more normalized and more accessible to everyone in the community um, but yeah music also is my my personal form of therapy and I know a lot of artists can relate to that because there's no judgment. You can just let the lyrics come out, write your own melody, and there's no limits to how your song 
is supposed to be. So it's very liberating when you're able to create a song that represents who you are, something very personal that that you've experienced that no one else really can understand. Oh. So Liana, going back to JP's story that he talked about this person coming up to him and saying, you're not really pursuing this, like you're just going to do it mm-hmm. as a hobby because look it out there, there's the Ariana Grandes and the Taylor Swifts and mm-hmm. whatever down the list. Have you ever experienced any of that? Yes, I, not as directly as JP, I feel, <laughs> but I feel like I've just experienced a lot of small cuts, you know, throughout <laughs> my life that have added to my insecurity and just fear of pursuing music seriously. Just like small remarks like, um, yeah, it's okay. Um, like, not nothing too deliberate, but you, you, you feel it even when it's not like directly criticizing you. And um, yeah, it's, it's hard to overcome that and to push through it because it's so easy to get cut up, caught up in the criticism and also with comparing yourself to everyone else with social media and mm-hmm. in today's day and age it's impossible to avoid that so yeah it's it's tricky but I try to remind myself why I do this and like relating to, to JP I I also don't want to set these huge expectations for myself to be number one or the top of the charts or anything like that because at the end of the day music is something that I love to do and I would do it if no one was watching and no one cared so might as well you know put it out into the world and see what happens (laughs) and what has it been like for you to work with Carrie it's been a wonderful experience Uh, (laughs) yeah Carrie has really given me the confidence as a new artist um, to just put my work out there and it's it's incredible to see how even being so new that you know different outlets and media uh, care about my work and actually you know enjoy it because I don't have an extensive music background and I don't have, you know, a huge team behind me to hype me up. So it's just me, myself and I, but working with Carrie has made me feel like I have, you know, a partner with in navigating through the industry and just make me feel like, you know, I can do this and that that I have the ability to be recognized for my work. Well, thank you so much, Liana. And will you be playing a brand new song too as well? Yeah, I'm actually going to be playing an unreleased track that I just finished up. Um, Yeah, it's it's about imposter syndrome and I feel like it's kind of relevant to our discussion. So I'm really excited to play it for you guys. Okay, so we're going to get soon onto that but last but definitely not least Seraphim
Hello. Hello. Okay. How are you? So I am good. How are you? Well, okay. 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 So let's just say you've just had your second Pfizer shot. I have, and I'm holding it together with scotch tape and water and vitamin C. And, and, <laughs> and I'm sorry because I made you, because I, I was just going through and I said, I want to keep her for last. And I totally, I totally forgot about, okay, so. Oh, no, it's fine. Okay. I love listening. It's, it's so good to listen to everyone's stories. And, <laughs> and I was doing little vocal warm-ups because my tongue's swollen. No one told me. That is, I've never heard of that one. It's okay. bizarre. I know. <laughs> So I'm going to start off. How long have you known Carrie? I met Carrie in virtually because we're living in plague mm -hmm. times. I met her, gosh, I think it was just before, I think it was January, I think. Somewhere around there. You know, time sort of gets strange. Oh, during I know. Times, right? oh, I, so know. I know there was snow on the ground. <laughs> I, think okay. it was probably, I think it was probably January, early January. And so why did you want to connect with Carrie? Oh, why did I want to connect with Carrie? I looked at her website. I did some research just on her. I used to be a journalist, so I was, <laughs> she's written some stuff, and she, I just, I don't know. There was something about her I liked. I liked the, the Canadian content. I liked the fact that she was really supportive of, of different stuff, and I'm kind of different, so I was like, okay, I like this. I like this woman. And then I spoke with her, and I thought, yeah, I have faith in her. Oh, okay. So you do have a very incredible story. But beyond oh. that, too, um, you are, your genre is jazz. But I think when we met before, you were tinkering with, mm, maybe I'm going to do a combination of both. But yeah. besides the music, though, for you, Seraphim, maybe let's talk about your personal journey and you know where you are today so you want to share that story <clears throat> no no I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> okay next um, question <laughs> yeah exactly really at the end uh today i'm in i'm in the eastern townships of quebec and i am doing something that when i was much 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 younger um and i'm talking really younger i never would dream possible which is i am living with my son and I find I have this family that when I, you know, was growing up would have been legally uh, impossible. Uh, but thanks to the evolution of society and the evolution of, of social justice, I was able to adopt a child. I'm able to work. I'm able to do all sorts of things that when I was a kid, I just assumed would be completely verboten for me. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm very, very aware of the fact that, um, that there has been massive change in my lifetime and very, very grateful to the pioneers that have been part of that. And I like to think that I was sort of in there too, but, you know, these journeys were started in the 50s and the 60s and it's just, yeah, I'm feeling very fortunate these days. Wow. And, you know, you are a role model. so. Do you feel that we still have a lot, long way to go with gender equality in the music industry, or does it matter? Well, I'm kind of gender all over the place, <laughs> so <laughs> um, I think so. Um, in the jazz community, for certain, I think that it is still 
really skewed towards either instrumentalists, white instrumentalists in Canada, white instrumentalists and the female, there's some amazing jazz vocalists in this country, Jean-Bierre Mepentet, um, Julie Michaels, there's incredible jazz talent. But one thing you still see is when the young girls come rising up and they're in the little dresses and they're in the hair and they're white and that is still sort of uh, catnip for for um, the powers that be when it comes to jazz. So I don't think that is gender equality. I think that that um, I think that it's it's still sort of um, a kind of sexism that that is is really rampant still. I think. So in your career, Seraphin, obviously there have been probably issues that have arisen. You know, was there any a point? Was there ever a point where you decided maybe I didn't want to pursue this music career anymore? When I adopted my son, uh, which was ten years ago, um, I had just released an album called Love's Worst Crime, and it was my first album to actually get airplay in the states. <clears throat> but what I discovered upon um, you know, receiving this one-year-old child was that there was no space for me in my life to to tour, to do anything other than gigs here and there. And I was uh, working as a journalist at the time and a columnist. So I didn't really retire or anything. I just sort of thought, this just doesn't have room right now. And um, until he was older, you know, just over... Just before COVID started, I started thinking, okay, he's 10 years old and more autonomous. And so I didn't really think I was going to quit. But I certainly gave up an idea fairly early on that I would be uh, welcomed with opened arms. Um, you know, I, when I first launched my first album, <clears throat> excuse me, I, you know, there was a, the Bravo did a little thing on me and I was, uh, National Post did like this center spread and I thought this is great you know this is wonderful I'm gonna be you know this is this is here's my career it's going and what I found was I started hitting real resistance from um the white older white guys that were in charge who thought I was <clears throat> a little bit too different and that uh, I had well, I remember one guy came up to me and he was a booker for a different club and I was singing in a club and he walked up to me and he said, and he was scowling. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this would be good. <laughs> and he said, you were singing um, at a James song or singing at last. And I said, yes, it's one of my favorites. And he said, you're doing a disservice to jazz. You really should stop. And I remember my manager at the time, James B, looked at him and he was just, and he just burst out laughing, you know, making it. And I, I thought, Wow. Okay, that's that's a really really gross thing to hear, and the awful thing is I heard it many times. I mean, this is going back 15 years, but I heard it more than three or four times in different ways. You know, you shouldn't sing that song. That song is for this sort of person. Um, this song is a man's song. This song is a woman's. You know, all that kind of stuff happened, and I realized really early on that um, it was going to be. Uh, a hit and miss when it came to to establishing anything. It took me a long time to do that. Well, you're here now. You're at home with your son. 
Yes, you have a wonderful. very happy. You have a wonderful family and a wonderful life and a, a fabulous, fabulous music career. So oh, I'd you. say. Well, we're just launching the the album. Actually, oh. we, my, I have a publicist now in the states because Carrie is Canadian. She's yes. all Canadian. Yeah. So I have a publicist in the state, and they split the album into two: a jazz album and a singer-songwriter album. And so the jazz album was released last uh, last Friday in the states. Wonderful. And um, yeah, the adult contemporary one gets released next week in the states. So it's uh, it's an exciting time. But I wish Carrie did the states. <laughs> <laughs> coming soon. Coming soon. Okay, everybody. Um, this is the fun part. I get to listen to all this great music, and and so and you get to share. So. Um, I just want to say we'll come back after everybody's performed and for a short wrap-up. But thank you, everybody, for sharing your story because this is going to hopefully encourage the next wave, the next Lianas, and, you know, the next AVs, JPs, and Seraphans too, right? Because Carrie's nodding her head. She'll take them all. <laughs> there's, there's a spot on the stage for all of you. All right, you're up, JP. <laughs> okay, um, give me a second. I'm going to grab my uh, guitar. Guitar? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love this. And we're just waiting for JP to get his guitar. <laughs> I'm just doing a little narrative because this also is a podcast, too. We don't want people to turn off just because they're hearing no sound. <laughs> All right. We're good? We're good. All right. You can introduce the song if you want to. Yes. Um, okay, so uh, I am going to play a song called Futuristic Angel. I don't get to play it a lot. Um, this is actually um, a song that I wrote as a letter um, to younger JP. So looking back um, and kind of reflecting on a lot of the insecurities that I had um, as, uh, as a young boy um, and some of the bullying experiences that I had uh, undergone. Uh, and I sort of just wanted to kind of write a letter to that boy um, and let him know that it's going to be okay and um you know to kind of just stick to your path and so that's what the song is about i hope you enjoy Free to be you 
carry on, carry Beautiful. And you saw us all clapping. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Thank, Thank you, you so much, JP. That was awesome. You're oh, right. and I was going to go to AD. Oh, AD just popped back into the screen. Are you ready? I think so. Okay. You can do a little intro to the song and away you go. Sure. Um, well, what can I tell you? This is a single that uh, is being... Uh, premiere today on Amplify Music Magazine, so shout out to them. Thanks for doing that for us. Um, and it's the second single from an album that I'm releasing slowly via Carrie, who did a great job with single one. Still getting publicity from that, actually, um, though we released it in March, and I'm not complaining. Um, this one, uh, you know, I think more or less speaks to what I was saying earlier, so I won't take more time up from that and just play the song. And um, we are physically distanced two meters apart, so Mike, our um, hardworking technician over there, is going to keep kind of panning back and forth so that you can all eventually see all of us. To my immediate right is Crystal Eo. To in the middle of uh, the singers, Julian Constantine. And to my far, far right, Joanna Aline. And here's our song. Look where it's brought me. 
Now I've been to that hard knock school. Nobody told me it's only when you're young that that's the rule. You gotta say my, say my, gotta say my, gotta say my, 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 yours. you gotta say mine, my, my, At least nobody good. Look where it's bright. Turns out all the castles are built on the sand. I'm living in this haunted house with way too much blood on his hands. Still saying, mine. Still saying, mine. Still saying, mine. Mine and not yours. Still saying. Amazing. 
Oh my goodness. Thank you, AV. And I'm just going to say the AV chorus. That's unbelievable. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Okay, don't go away. Up next will be Liana. Hey again. Hello again. Are you ready? Those are some, yeah, those are some amazing performances from JP and AV. But, um, yeah, um, I will be performing, like I said, um, a song about imposter syndrome. It's actually called Imposter Syndrome. And it's, it's about that feeling of not, not feeling like you'll, you'll amount to anything because the greatest, you know, people have already done, done the work and, that feeling of not of being a fraud kind of like with specifically with pursuing music and feeling like all the seats have already been taken so um, yeah i hope you like it okay i'm gonna do an acoustic version i'm gonna take these out so i can hear myself <laughs> okay <laughs>
choose me, yeah, yeah. Why choose me when the best has been found? When the crowd was given out, why choose me? I don't hear you say my name out loud. So what do I do with myself? Why choose me when the best has been found? When the crown was given out, why choose me? I don't hear you say my name out loud. So what do I do with myself? What do I do with myself? What do I do with myself? Ow. <laughs> Okay, Thank so you. I think that's going to be your next hit, Liana. I can't <laughs> wait to so hear much. it. Oh, can't wait to share it with you. Oh, thank you so so much. All right, thank you. now we have Sarah Fenn. I'm going to say Liana's name out loud. That was beautiful. That was absolutely beautiful. And wow, I love your songs, the gospel, and like, oh, it was beautiful. So this is, um, this is the single released in Canada back in February, uh, and it's being released uh, next week in the States. Uh, and it's an acoustic cover. This, the album that I released is uh, half originals and half jazz standards. It's an acoustic cover of um, a pop song I grew up with in the 80s. That um, it was sort of an up-tempo disco hit. And I always thought it'd be a great torch song, so... Um, yeah, so I hope you like it. It's called Take On Me. Talking away. I don't know what I'm just saying. See it any way. Today's another day to find you shine away. I'll be coming for you, love. Okay. Take me. I'll be gone in a day or two. <clears throat> so needless to say, I'm in Austin as well. I feel I'm stumbling away. I'm slowly learning that life can be okay. Say it with me. It's so better to be safe than sorry. Take me alone. I'll be. In a day or two, 
Is it life or just to play my worries away? Here are the things I've got to remember you shine away. I'm still coming for you, love and day. Aha, should actually get a copy of that. <laughs> <laughs> they might sue me. <laughs> no, I gave them their royalties. I gave them. Oh, yeah, they gave them all away. Oh, um, yeah. thank you very much, Seraphim. Beautiful. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you to all of you. It's been such a wonderful, wonderful ride uh, just to see a different side of everybody. Uh, Carrie, thank you. Any last words? Yes, absolutely. I first want to thank you, Tracy, for having all of us on and really highlighting the diversity in music that really does exist, even if we don't see it. And I think tonight just showed that, right? Four different artists with different backgrounds, different sounds, all supremely talented. And when you spoke to each of them, you know, I wanted more from each conversation that you had. They each have such interesting stories and are so unbelievably talented. So these are people that you want to see, right? I want to hear more from Seraphin. I want to hear more from Anne and JP and Liana. You know, they were all very humble and didn't tell you about some of their amazing achievements. But I've had the great fortune of spending time, you know, on the phone or Zoom with them and learning all about these incredible things that they've done. And, you know, they're they are so wonderfully talented. It would just be a shame if they didn't feel like they could put their music out there. And artists like them, you know, however they're feeling, whether it's they're too old or they're too this or they're too that, there is a home for their music. And here tonight, we got to hear four different songs by very different artists that were so incredible. And I really want to thank you for highlighting that. And, and throughout all the work that you do with I Like You and, and interviewing Bad Parade artists and other artists and really getting their stories because there's such 
beautiful, beautiful stories in music and um, the diversity is, is so important and we saw it here tonight. And I also quickly want to shout out Alexis Yam, who is here online, but you can't see her. She is Bad Parade's incredible intern. And if there's anything that looks good on social media, it was not me, it was all Alexis. <laughs> and she is learning um, as much as she can about music publicity. She's a Ryerson student. She's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. And I'm so lucky to have her on board. And so Alexis is here moderating tonight. You can't see her, but she is here. And Alexis, we appreciate you so much. So thank you as well. Thank you, Tracy. This was so much fun. I really appreciated you um, inviting all of us on tonight. Well, well I've had so much fun. And uh, you know what, That's, that was our main goal for tonight, is to get the diversity out there and also the music. So thank you to Seraphim, Liana, AV, JP, and I know Danny, he's off making another deal, but <laughs> and Alexis and Carrie. So for everyone here, thank you so, so much. Diversity in music, maybe it will continue. I hope so. But for now, stay safe and healthy and have a good night. For listening. This has been a production of ILikeQ.com. Podcast distribution from the Sound Off Media Company. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on blasttheradio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's blasttheradio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.